Welcome back to Nocturnal Journal on WGN. Get your tape recorders ready. We're getting Chicago uh, radio history here with our dear friend, Aubrey Mumpower. Uh, the reporters I- have been disabled here. <laughs> I'm so excited about this. Uh, I haven't known you. You've been with me for four years here. A broadcast engineer since 1986 at WGN. You're going to be retiring at the end of the year, so you can go over to Navy Pier and enjoy all that stuff over there. Man, I really want to get into your whole history, but you've got a background. Talk about your roots in Dallas and in Cheyenne. It's it's like a movie. So so talk Uh, about your beginnings with your family and radio. I was born in Dallas. I was going to start the thing out. It was a long, hot night in Texas. I was two weeks late. (laughs) My mother was desperate. Anyway, after I was born, two weeks later, we moved to Wyoming. And that's essentially where I was raised until 18 when I came to Chicago. My dad worked on the railroads. We lived all over the country, uh, Los Angeles, Denver, Aspen, places in Dallas. But Cheyenne was the main main deal what railroad what railroad did he work for uh, what did he do union pacific and uh he was a fireman and engineer he drove the train and he was hoping i'd do that someday too he was yeah but I almost did but and they hired me too but my chief engineer here in chicago wouldn't let me go <laughs> <laughs> he says if you leave you can't come back <laughs> what was your dad's name uh evie mumpower ernie mumpower ernie mumpower yeah and uh I mean, so, I mean, radio is in your blood. Maybe after the news we'll get into what you do here, what exactly a broadcast engineer does. But your grandmother had a cooking show on the radio in Dallas in the 1930s. What what was that about? Well, she'd just get on there and talk like Julia Child for 30 minutes, and they'd do a cooking show every day on one of the Dallas stations. And one thing I I hadn't looked into and can't find out too much about it, my uncle, who was 30 years older than my dad. It was kind of a mixed-up family back then. He had a string of theaters from Dallas to El Paso. And back in those days, they didn't have Hollywood, and they didn't have much going on here in Chicago either. These theater owners would go out and shoot their own movies. They were silent, mostly. And uh, he lived on the Texas-Mexico border. And so he'd get a lot of his Mexican friends together, and they'd have a war and film it, and that would be the movie. Wow. And wow. So it was, it, was, it was pretty low budget, but he didn't live very long, but he uh, he uh, did all right, you know, for his age, and kept him busy. And then your mother sang on radio in the she, 1950s. She sang on the radio, yeah, in one of those church shows back when those were public service shows. You didn't have to buy time. So I was exposed to it. I was always near a control room, yeah. whether it be broadcast or, or the church. So did she sing gospel? Um, yeah. Gospel. And your mother's name? Martha. Martha. So, it, it, yeah, like you just said, it was this, this business and the magic of radio was just in your floats and jets. It was I, just always around you. I was always, always attracted to the equipment, and uh, growing up as a preteen and a teenager I, I listened to wls a lot back when they had changed in formats but even before they changed you could get the the 50, watt stations out of chicago out in cheyenne like they were local stations when the sun would go down so i was attracted to that which you can do with this station uh oh yeah you can get wgn there yeah uh, not not like the old days but you can still get it out there yeah you're the one who when i when i first came on here 
you were told me the 38 states, yeah. Mexico and Canada thing. Yeah, don't, don't make any mistakes. You get hate mail from around the world. <laughs> what, does a, uh, what does a broadcast engineer do? When they say broadcast engineer, what, what, what are your Nowadays, duties with me? I mean, you've helped me not make too many mistakes here. <laughs> well, it's kind of broken down. You know, part of it's operating the equipment, and, uh, and they don't always have engineers doing that, but... Another part would be design and maintenance of the equipment and the facilities. And I've been here through uh, three facilities. They hired me here when they moved back downtown to Tribune Tower. So I helped out building the studios over there. And uh, they're very efficient about it. The chief engineer says, this is what we're going to do. This is when we're going to do it. And this is how we're going to do it. <laughs> where were, I don't even know. Where were they at before uh, Tribune Tower? Uh, Bradley Place. They were at Bradley Place. Which is up uh, yeah. Addison and Western area. Yeah, where the television station is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in the old, old days, they were down here in their own building in Tribune Tower. Um, I know we've talked. I mean, how did it feel to disassemble the Tribune Tower uh, studio and come over here? I didn't have to do that. That uh-huh. was somebody else's job, but... Uh, it was it was heartbreaking, but you, you knew all the work that went into it to design an old analog facility, which well, we probably had 50 miles of audio cable strung around. The 50 place. miles of audio cable. Yeah, we don't do that anymore. It's all all digital now. Yeah, yeah. And just uh, you can have multiple signals just going down a network line now. So, in layman's terms, um, designing a studio, what? What goes into it? What? How do you make a good studio? I may make two or three bad ones first. <laughs> <laughs> what we had over at Tribune Tower was very nice for what it was, and we kind of outgrew it in many ways. And and a lot, and it was big. It was really spread apart. It took up the whole floor, first floor of the Tribune Tower. And so we rebuilt Studio D, the Showcase Studio. Showcase Studio, people know that. 2001, I think it was. And and that was quite an improvement over what we had. But what we had was pretty old technology, too, as far as uh, the audio boards and the playback equipment. We had a, um, a traffic board hanging on the wall that was uh, controlled by some mainframe computer somewhere and it blew up, I think, the first year <laughs> we had it on. So after that, it was just wallpaper. <laughs> Growing up um, around all this, I want to talk about how this had to feed. Growing up in a world of radio and your and your parents and grandmother being involved with it, how it fed your imagination. I wanted. To, I, I first saw, saw Chicago when I was fourteen years old. Yeah. We, we went to the World's Fair. We drove out to New York. And then I had so you're to, uh, talking about the New York World's Fair. Yeah, I yeah. had to go back to Cheyenne. Um, I'm not sure if it was a new, maybe it's one up in Canada in Montreal. I got the two mixed. Oh, Expo '67. That would have been Expo '67. Well, anyway, yeah. I, I think the, the one we went to in New York was '64. '60. That was New York World's Fair, right? Um, so anyway, I had to take the train back to Cheyenne for some reason, and we had a layover in Chicago, and. Uh, so I spent the afternoon at LaSalle Street Station, but I, I went out and explored. The one thing I wanted to do was go to WLS and meet and see Dick Biondi and Art Roberts and those, those guys that I was growing up with. And uh, I didn't see them, but I, I met some pretty girls there and we hung around the station for a while anyway. 
and I got a couple of new pen pals out of the deal. And from that point on, I I went back and forth between uh, Cheyenne and Chicago and got my feet wet uh, learning the er- what an urban area was like. The 60s and, and that rock and roll radio, that was, I mean, I did the same thing. I mean, uh, you would come, I've talked about this on the show before, I mean, you'd come down and Larry Lujak be working on Saturday morning at WLS, and I think CFL was at Marina City. Yeah, yeah. And they were, in a town like Chicago, they were celebrities. They personality were and are. Yeah. You know. I wanted to work with Dick Biondi and Art Roberts. So I wanted to come out here. And you got me. Get, get, into, get, into, get into one of those big stations. And the station I was working for in Cheyenne, they were they didn't want me to leave. They said, "Well, they won't let you in the front door in Chicago. Those are powerhouses. They they're seeking professionals, not losers like you." So, but I, after I got out of high school, I came out here. We went through the phone book, and I went to four radio stations and one TV station. And uh, I had offers from all of them, but I had experience in television, three years' experience in television in Cheyenne already, so I wound up at Channel 26. WCIU-TV. Which is a whole new, different book. Yeah. <laughs> you started there in... Uh, 67. 67, and you were there until January of 86? Yeah, yeah. And that, I mean, we'll, maybe we'll talk a little bit about that after the break, but that's 16 different languages on that On, that on the weekend, yeah, yeah. I learned to cuss in sixteen different languages. And what did you? What all did you do there? When you uh, typical engineering work, uh, videotape, telephone transmitter, technical director, switcher—they call it audio. Um, Somebody said your skill there was you. You did almost the impossible with nothing. I mean, yeah. Well, they were they were very understanding over there. When we'd have, go into union negotiations, Howard would say, "Well." We'll give you anything you want as long as it doesn't cost anything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that was kind of typical of the business back then, just trying to survive. But survive they did. And now they're a success story here in Chicago and around the world. For but going to your roots, um, you really, uh, your love was really always radio. Yeah, yeah. 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 And then so you came here, and then we'll, we'll take a break uh, for the for the news here, but... Um, but uh, you built a new radio station in, in Tribune Tower, and we'll, yeah. we'll talk a little bit more about that. Okay. So, okay. So, don't go away uh, on Nocturnal Journal with our friend uh, Aubrey Mumpower. Good job. Did, did you ever, Rob, did you ever have talent who would put the hand uh, hand over their ear like that, like Gary Owens used to do on Laughing? And well, before headphones. Yeah, yeah, that was what they would do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I wanted to. Do, uh, we got a few more minutes with you, uh, Aubrey Mumpower, our beloved broadcast engineer who is retiring at the end of the month um talk about your greatest hits we were talking about just really interesting Uh, experiences in radio or television different things that have happened we were talking about oh there's so many different things and some of it we can even talk about here but the (laughs) but the one i remember that sticks out in my mind is we we had shows like marty Faye's show marty Faye, yeah filled in the interview uh, Ted Weber in Old Town, John and the Angel shows like that. I think it was Marty Faye's show. We had a circus bear come up for some reason or other, and they they do tricks and stuff like that. And then um, as we were leaving, we had a dedicated elevator from the 43rd floor to the first floor. And they just kind of, this bear was pretty tame, and they just kind of 
not really caring or paying any attention, they dropped the leash on him, and when the elevator opened up, the bear charged into the interview uh, into into the elevator, and the, the door slammed shut, and the thing went down to the first floor. Just with the bear in the elevator, with the bear in it. So the people waiting down to the first floor for the elevator, the doors opened up, and they looked in there and said, well, I'm not going in there. <laughs> so the doors slammed shut, and the elevator goes all the way back up to the 43rd floor again. Real briefly, talk who Marty Fay was. I mean, I, Oh, Marty I, yeah. Fay. Um, he, he would sell vacuum cleaners on, on, on the air, and uh, Howard Shapiro ran a furniture store as well. And, and Howard Atlanta. Shapiro was? They, uh, he eventually wound up controlling Channel 26. Mm-hmm. We had uh, John Weigel and then Bill O'Connor, an announcer here at WGN in those days, in the 50s, and Howard Shapiro, which owned uh, CET. Um, he could buy a television set at CET, and when you watched it you'd have to put quarters in this quarter meter bank for i guess is a quarter for 15 minutes or 30 minutes or something like that and that's how they paid for the tv sets wow so wow. That, that was the business model and uh weigel got the weigel and those they got the station on the air the, the transmitter in the space in the border trade building and it probably cost them fifty thousand dollars for the whole thing but after that, it was, it was trying to decide, well, what do we do with this? And they uh, they played old shows like December Bride and Our Miss Brooks and uh, Dobie Gillis, shows like that. And um, then eventually we got into ethnic programming, and especially heavy into Spanish, because all the other stations ignored that, like it didn't exist. Yeah. And, uh, and But we did have ethnic radio. Which was, which they had a guaranteed audience for everything that we, they did, and, and when we went ethnic, uh, we did too, and uh, people laughed at us then. Says, "Oh, there's no market for that." As well, we think there is. Wow. <laughs> so, we, wow. so we stayed with it. And Don Cornelius started Soul Train there. Yeah, uh, he right. was saying, uh, "I'm going to have me a dance show just like Big Bill Hill," and we'd Big all Bill laugh. Hill. Yeah. yeah, we all laughed at him. Says, well, we've already got Big Bill Hill and Kitty and Go-Go, and, you know, they're doing all right, but, you know, one more show, it's not going to make a difference. He says, no, really, I got Coca-Cola and Sears. They're going to sign on to it. We're going we're gonna to do it. And sure enough, he did. Yeah. And the rest is history. Yeah, people really underestimated some of those emerging demographics in yeah, the city of Chicago. Exactly, you know? yeah. yeah. What are you going to do in your retirement? Oh, I don't know. I'll probably just hang around for a week until somebody calls me. Back to work somewhere. <laughs> so, so could you stop by just for a couple of minutes and point to what we got to do and just put it X, you know, the general area where we have to work. But I, I don't know. I'll probably kill some time for a month or two, and I, I'll probably head out west maybe. Yeah, do, I was going to ask you, do you still have family out there? And no, uh, I lost my parents a few years back. Yeah. They're in their 90s, and yeah. I've got one brother. He's in Denver. And uh, he's a little bit younger than I am. Well, the reason I asked that about family and when they were alive, um, you talked earlier in the interview about, uh, well, they didn't know about you coming, you know, especially peers coming to the big city of Chicago. What was the feeling like with your family and friends when you made it here? My dad wanted me to work on the railroad. And I said, well, I'd, I'd give it a try. But the, the, working on the railroad uh, back then, you could count on 20 years 
of you'd, you'd establish your seniority and when you worked you made a lot of money but then you'd get laid off for two or three months or six months and that's why we had to move all over the place and but we'd eventually wind up back in cheyenne i didn't want to go through that and i'm just in love with radio i wanted to I wanted to be able to talk fast and be funny like like those guys that you'd hear on WLS, you know. You've got a great nocturnal voice. You've got that soft-spoken <laughs> unit. <laughs> I've, I've done very little radio. And the, the one time I did it in Cheyenne, the, the boss man called me and he says, you are banned from radio for life. Why? Did you say something that you can't say here? No, he said I was too funny. Oh, really? <laughs> but... I was I wasn't too funny, you know. I was, my mistakes were funny. Uh huh. Uh, yeah. I, I didn't know what I was doing. I was filling in for. I, I worked back in television. I did voiceover for if a tape would break, then I'd I'd, had, I'd follow along in the copy book and I'd have to read it live. And some things we did live anyway, like the the obituaries. Those were live every day, and uh, they'd sabotage. My crewmates would sabotage the copy. I get copy like uh, Joe Blow died with his boots on. He didn't know the gun was loaded. Stuff like that. Uh-huh. And I have to do that straight. And they go, no, no, no. That's that's not the way to do it. <laughs> and now the weather brought to you by Conoco, the hottest brand going. So I did stuff like that. But the radio thing, I'd I'd have Barbara Streisand and Andre Consolanitz on the two turntables, and I'd introduce one and play the other, and so it would be the wrong one. Go, well, that's not it. So I'd I'd turn the turntable off, and it would slowly coast to a stop on the air, and then I went to the other record and wowed that, and it was just this comedy of errors, and I guess it's it's you know. There's a lot to do. I mean, it's I'm a print journalist, as you know, and you know, I, I I write a story and go back and edit it. But even for these little two hours, and I mean, you got to you know f- fly by the seat of your pants, and it is live, you know. Yeah, yeah, it is live. <laughs> you got you always got to remember that because if you if you do something wrong and say the wrong thing or the wrong word, and you think, oh, we're just taping this, so we're okay. You can edit that out later, and the director will go, no, we're live too. So, yeah, <laughs> so, so it's too late. What are you What are you going to miss the most about this? Uh, seeing the technology evolve from what it has. When I first got into the business, everything was tubes. Television was black and white, not very good black and white at that. We we need thousands of watts of lighting just so you could see people. Which and we, if the air conditioning wasn't working, you were in big trouble. Yeah, and uh, now. When you look, we not we not only have nice equipment, but we have a good view too. Yeah, a lot yeah. of times uh, the radio station was kind of relegated to the broom closet. Right, the TV got the priority as far as the space in the building, and the radio station would be down the hall in the room with the mops hanging. On the wall. Well, radio, I don't need to tell you this. It just you do have a very unique uh, relationship with with the listener it's very very personal yeah you know, and i've learned that in the four years i hear i, I really I, I really think about the people listening to the show and especially on a saturday night connecting with them and mm-hmm. stuff and it's, it's you know it's it's really unique it remains unique so, and that's the trick is to engage people yeah you know one by one yeah and uh but there's all different kinds of ways you know we're we're here to persuade to indoctrinate to sell soap you know whatever we have to do and and so there's a lot, lot of ideas on the radio. You can, there's, there's a lot of power in sound. You know, if I, 
they did a Kathy and Judy did a thing. Says you want to see how powerful radio is, and uh, Kathy goes, "Come on, you want to go outside? I want to go outside." And he's talking like you'd talk to a dog, you know, before you take him outside. And we, we must had a hundred callers mad because their their dog piddled on the floor by the front door. <laughs> so excited to get out of the so excited to get out of the house. And, uh, you know, I've I've worked with people that would uh, yell at their cats, you know, on the on the air. It says, "Get out from there! Don't eat that! <laughs> Leave her alone!" <laughs> well, Aubrey, thanks for all your help. Thank thanks you. for uh, walking me through this. I oh. I know a little bit more now, but I'm not. I'm, you know. I, yeah, we we scratched the surface. I was kind of scared to get too deep into it because in Chicago, I had a lot of experiences here. But I'm so glad I came to Chicago, and it's it's my hometown now. And I could go back to Cheyenne, and I could go back to Aspen, but it'll only be for visiting. Yeah. Well, I'm going to miss you. Well, yeah. I'll miss you too, but, you know, don't count your chickens yet. Okay. Every, every other time they've gotten rid of me, it's always like <laughs> maybe a week later I'm, I'm back here again. So, Okay. All right. Thanks, Aubrey. Mumpower.